All right. Now, when it comes to knowing what makes your partner tick in the bedroom, uh, tutorials on mind-blowing sex positions that only get you so far, of course. Uh, stimulating and gratifying sex really is all in the timing, the communication, and some might say the spontaneity. Uh, well, to help us uh, understand uh, or make our way towards having the best sex ever we're joined for under the covers as we are every thursday evening by sex therapist rian van veek rian uh, great to have you with us thanks so much for joining us again uh, good evening Sarah-Jan. yes it's it's wonderful um, speaking to you again so listen what what how do we define good sex is it something that makes our toes tingle our heart flutter uh, our minds feel content and at ease how do we de- how do we define it yeah, I think that's the, that's the key question, isn't it? Um, one has to take into consideration the roles of, of sex in, in life. Now, sex, you know, has basically four, uh, has four roles. Procreation, you know, to, to create babies. Uh, relation to both relationships. Uh, recreation, you know, it's fun and pleasure and obviously health. And the last two is sort of uh, related. So um, when you have good sex, it means that both partners enjoy, well, they, they're on, on par with the role of sex that, they, that they're engaging in, and they enjoy the, each other's and their own experience in, in part of the, you know, as part of the response cycle. That's from the desire to arousal to the plateau, you know, waiting for orgasm to happen as, as well as the resolution afterwards. So in essence, you know, to, to summarize, uh, good sex is made up by both partners experiencing physical, uh, psychological, social, and cultural satisfaction because all these components uh, make part of, of good sex. Uh, in my experience is that the best sex um, is transcending good sex by having a, a safe relationship uh, where you can experience that, you know. So, more often than not, it is uh, determined by long-term loving relationships, but it's obviously not the only context for good sex to to happen. How important is it that we realise, even before we we start thinking about our our partners, that we actually are that we feel and that we know inherently that we're entitled to have fabulous sex? Yeah, that is <laughs> that is such a, a good question. A lot of the problems that people have is not sexual at all. It it boils down to that basic form of self-esteem and, the, and their own value. Now, as a behavioral scientist, I don't like to the, the term self-esteem that much, but unconditional self-acceptance. And we, you know, people battle with that. We, we get damaged in in our lives, and when that's not good, then you feel that you don't. Um, deserve pleasure in life and where sex is basically the ultimate pleasure that we can that we can get that we don't deserve good sex unfortunately many of us are brought up with all these taboos around uh, sex and in and myths around sex and, and that's difficult to break down but for you to experience that is a fundamental human right and and, and i wish for everyone to experience that and to get help and read and develop themselves so that they can get to that point of unconditional self-acceptance and and claim good sex for themselves. 
sometimes it can be that when when we enter into a sexual relationship or even just our own thoughts around sex is that we are we are desperate to do what appears to be normal um how how important actually is it that we forget about the norms around sex and what is acceptable or what is uh, deemed to be acceptable and just pr- provided that everything's consensual, just do whatever makes us feel good. I mean, for example, when when we think about kink or bondage um, or, or or perhaps things that go outside um, the quote unquote vanilla or normal, you know, uh, the mission, anything that's beyond the missionary position and is yeah. between, between a man and a woman, uh, you know, in a very, almost a, a very sort of the, a religious sense of, you know, having, uh, of, of just copulating. How important is it that we throw out those norms and say, actually, you know what? Provided that it's consensual, provided that uh, no one's getting hurt, as long as it feels good, this is what good sex is to me. Absolutely important. Uh, and the reason for that is sex and sexual experience is so varied that to define normality almost doesn't exist. Uh, in sexology, we don't even talk about the term normal anymore. We, we talk about typical and, and atypical. But even that, in terms of sexual experience, it's so unique. You know, they say that each people, each person in the world <laughs> feels that his or her sexual experience and desires and behaviors and habits, you know, are sort of the norm, you know, that is normal. And it, it's that self-serving bias that we have. But to a certain degree, that's, that's good because it is so unique and it is person, individual uh, related as well as couple related. So you're right, as long as the couple or, or, or even if it's, if it's a group, you know, because let's, let's, surpass the norms that mm. even couple sex is you know that, that is that it's typical it, it it transcends even that so the couple or the group that's involved in a sexual activity as long as the communication is open and everyone feels safe and um, they enjoy what they're doing and the communication is open i think that's what we should strive for to take that responsibility for our own pleasure and a bit for our partner's pleasures as well, and then drive that forward and, and experience uh, satisfying sex and sexual relations. How important, when we talk about sex and, and, and sexuality and pleasure, how important is it that you actually know yourself? I mean, the, the, it's, it's wonderful, of course, to, to have sex with somebody else and with a partner or as many people as, as you want. But if you don't have intimate knowledge of yourself and you know necessarily what pleases you, aren't you sort of falling at the first hurdle? You're right. In, in, in my practice, I see that so often that people... We always think that it's only women that don't masturbate and they don't know themselves that well. But even men, they they get used to a certain way of touching themselves or masturbating to quick orgasm as as a release. But that's not good enough. It is really about experimentation and getting to know yourself, not only in terms of your physiology and, and your physical body, but also in terms of your desires, your lifestyle that you prefer, and so on and so forth. The better you know yourself and the better you are at communicating that, uh, the, best, the better your sex and sexual relations will be. And also the more empathy that you will have and understanding you will have for your partner and their sexual preferences and desires and, and, and proclivities. How important is, is foreplay? 
Yeah, you know what? And what does it look like also? What does good <laughs> foreplay look like? You know what? There's a, there's, there's a, there's a note that says um, that a lot of men think that foreplay is the third centimeter. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> no, foreplay and foreplay sex and afterplay, in my uh, opinion, you know, is there are concepts that's that's um, that's flawed, in essence flawed, because if we define sex in such a narrow sense that in many cases it become only, it, it becomes only penetration, and that's a very limited view of sex from a sexological point of view. Everything to do with sexual pleasure, not not only the physical stuff pertains to sex and is and is viewed as part of sex. So, in terms of that, foreplay, sex, and afterplay is, you know, it's actually nonsensical terms. But, that being said, it is so important to prime and create desire through communication throughout the day so that you, as well as your partner, can feel desirable, valued, and sexy. Because the desire to have sex happens a long, it, it starts a long time before you actually get to the sexual context where you want, when you want to start sexual play. When, when we're thinking about, uh, about fantasy and our fantasy life and sex, is it important to, to sort of cultivate a rich, a rich fantasy life? So it's not just a case of, oh, okay, it's Thursday evening, it's half past 11, uh, it's time for him to clamber on top, we'll go at it for about 10 minutes and that's the end of it. I mean, how important is it that, that even during the times when we're not having sex, uh, we're thinking about sex and we're thinking about our fantasies and we're indulging at those fantasies? Yes. I think it's absolutely important to do that um, because fantasies and thinking about and dreams about sex primes us for sexual encounters. Uh, obviously, a fantasy and, uh, and it's not necessarily something that you do want to live out in real life, but some one has a desire to, to live out and then it's the, when communication is part of that and when you get your partner and if you feel safe with your partner that you can communicate that. As long as you don't expect your partner to necessarily help you fulfill that fantasy and if not, you know, to open up the communication and, and find alternatives that, that suits both the partners. But yes, uh, that's absolutely important to to cultivate these fantasies and don't suppress it because it's not it's not wrong to have fantasies it actually is part of our of our mind and our sexual mind as well thinking about uh, some of the people that that come your clients that, that come before you what are the most common barriers that they talk about or that you are able to identify as getting in the way of people achieving their the best sex that or, or having the best sex that they can have what are some of the most common things that come up? I, th- I think uh, some of the most common things that in, in my practice is a poor uh, self-acceptance and a, a poor body image. And you know what? A few years ago, about a decade ago, it was, I would say, 70%, 80% women that had a, a poor body image. But these days, I, I experience that a lot more with men as well. And it's not only penis size, it's also about their shape and you know um, and that type of thing sure and then the next thing that I think it's important in terms of coming in, in is 
expectations. You know, we live in a world full of entertainment that portray unrealistic uh, ideals, and people try to live up to that. And that is more of a hindrance than a facilitation of of expressing your sexuality in a proper way. How, when we're sitting down with our partner, what are some of the the ways that we can communicate to them what we want? Because for for some people that will be difficult, Um, particularly if if we come from a background where um, sex is sort of something that is, uh, that you do but you don't talk about. Um, Perhaps you come from a quite a conservative or particularly religious background where really uh, sex isn't, the focus on sex is an enjoyment but rather on procreation or or whatever. So how, how do we broach those conversations and how do you uh, explain to your partner you know what this is what I really like or this is what I don't like uh, in order to then head towards having great sex yeah you're right uh, sometimes we people don't communicate about their desires for fear of judgment or ridicule we we are so scared that we are so unique and, and so perhaps off balance in terms of a desires that that we don't communicate that it is important to to communicate that, and I also always recommend to the to the that my clients that they take neutral grounds, in other words, a neutral place, not the bedroom to talk about sex, and obviously also a neutral time, not just before or after before the one sex or after the had sex, and then say, you know what, these are my emotions and my desires, and it's my personal desires and I'm, I'm, and I'm opening up myself to you and I'm becoming vulnerable to you and to lay the groundwork and say please, you know, we shouldn't judge, analyze or, or, or anything like that in terms of our partner's desires and then get the partner to do that as well and then say, right, but what are we willing to accommodate in each other? Often if there's a large difference in terms of background, in terms of conservatism, for instance, or when they, well, one of the partners experienced sexual abuse, it may be even worth your while to go to a counselor or a sex therapist or a, or a, a you know, any, a, a person that's sort of trained in this to facilitate the discussion for you. It's not always necessary, obviously, but if it really is difficult and it stands in your way of um, having good sex, do that. It's, a, it's a, a, an investment that will well serve you. Life's just too short, you know, to have bad sex. You know, it's as simple as that. And on that note, I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, we've fast run out of time, but life is too short uh, to have bad sex. Uh, Rian, always a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks so much uh, for helping us out with this conversation, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Rian. Have a good one.